tremendous. Turn to Luke 15 with me, will you? Let's see if I can do this in 20 minutes. <laughs> Luke 15. Starts in verse 1 to verse 3 with Jesus being challenged over the fact he was giving time to tax collectors and sinners, people who were lawless, people who were not observant Jews, and tax collectors who were working for the Romans. Therefore, they were like the collaborators, the traitors. And Jesus is spending time with them, going to their homes, eating with them, drinking with them, talking to them. And, of course, the religious people, the upright, self-righteous people, were totally offended by this, just as some people would be offended by Samson giving time to temple prostitutes and to the eunuchs. And then Jesus, in responding to this criticism, gives three parables. They are the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Luke 15. I'm going to read the three to, to you, and I'm going to say something, explain them as we go, and then we'll look at how they apply. So up there in verse 4. What man among you, who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he's found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors, saying, together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine people who don't need repentance." Jesus asked the question, what man of you wouldn't leave 99 sheep in the wilderness and go and fetch the one that's got lost? Well, that's a good question. Because is it reasonable to leave 99 wandering around in a wilderness to go and get one? Is it? He's asking you a question. What man of you wouldn't do that? They're thinking, well, um, I'm not sure. I mean, that's a bit radical, isn't it? Isn't that a bit reckless? Mark that. Next one. The parable of the lost coin. Or what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her women friends and neighbors together, saying, because she's not allowed to invite the men in, okay, cultural, saying, rejoice with me because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, says Jesus, in the same way there's joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Let me explain something about the culture of those times. When a woman married, she was given a dowry which was hers. She was given a sum of money which was her husband couldn't touch it. Now, coins in those days, I used to have some in my very strange coin collection when I was a boy, had holes through them. And if they didn't have a hole, they put a hole through it so that the coins could be sewn into your, into your clothes or attached on a string to your belt. That was, that was your... You didn't have a purse. You had a string of coins. This woman one day discovers one of those coins is broken loose and gone. And it's her money. Not her husband's. He can't touch it. It's hers. One of her coins is gone. And she, 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 she determinedly, methodically goes through the whole house to find the coin. Now, pragmatic people, Westerners, might have said, that was, I said that to the Indian people too, would have said, you've got nine, shut up, dear, it's all right. <laughs> Don't make such a fuss. No, she wanted her coin back. She turned the house over to find a coin. So she had them back again. In both cases, 
the pain of what was lost created an urgency. I must get it back. The shepherd, the woman. Then Jesus tells about the lost son. It's the longer one. Let me read it to you. I'll put my glasses on in case I don't read it properly. He also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. Now let's just stop there a minute. Dad's alive, two sons are there. When the dad dies, the sons are going to get the, 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 the inheritance. The older son will get a, a double portion, so the, the, the estate will be divided into three portions. The older son will get two of them, the younger son will get one. All right? The younger son says, I want it now. What's that saying? I wish you were dead. It is profoundly rude. In fact, it's the sort of thing that under Old Testament law you could be stoned for, you could be killed for. Being that rude to your parent could have got you killed. But the father does what the son asks. He divides up his property and gives the assets to his boys. The older son gets two-thirds, the younger son gets one-third. Not many days later, the youngest son gathered together all he had, so he sold whatever property and, you know, if it was land or if it was animals, it was all gone, it all turned into cash, and off he goes. He traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he'd spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. And he went to work for one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. Maybe they were watching him, so he couldn't take them. When he came to his senses, notice that he came to his senses. Though, what am I doing here? How did I get into this? Well, you were stupid for a start. He said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I will get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I like that against heaven. All sin is firstly against God, then against people. All sin. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. Now, I want you to notice something there. The son could have been stoned for his, his rebellion and rudeness to his father. When he's coming back into the village, the villagers had, could have taken up stones and stoned him. And that's one of the reasons why the father ran out and embraced him. He was saying, if you touch him, you touch me first. And arm in arm or shoulder to shoulder, he brings the son back towards the house. Now it's time for the son to make his speech. So here he goes. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be your, your son. The father isn't listening. By then they've arrived to the house and he's calling the slaves. Quick, he says, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate it with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now notice that. Best robe, ring on his finger. Do you know what the ring on his finger is? It's a sign of sonship. He's back in the family business. He's being fully restored. 
from what he'd done, from where he'd been. In those moments, the father is fully restoring him. Now, if that isn't extravagant, mercy and love, what is? Extreme. Extreme. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Your brother's here, they told him. And your father slaughtered the fattened calf because he's back safe and sound. But the older brother became angry and didn't (laughs) want to go in. So his father came out to him and pleaded with him. He replied to his father, Look, I've been slaving many years for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who's devoured all his assets with prostitutes, now he doesn't know that and we're not told that. He's, He's, okay... You slaughtered the fatted calf for him. Son, the father said to him, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. If you flip over a few chapters to the beginning of Luke 19, you've got the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a Jew. He was working in Jericho as a tax collector. And he was a little man, short in stature. When Jesus was coming to the town, he climbed a tree to, to get a view, to, yes. so he could get a view. And as Jesus approaches the tree, he looks up and he says, Come down, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to stay with you today. So Zacchaeus takes Jesus to his house and puts on a meal. And in the middle of that mealtime, it seems to me, Zacchaeus says, Whatever Jesus has been saying to him, it's hit home. He says, I'm going to give away half of all I have, and if I've robbed anybody, I'll give them four times as much back. Jesus says, Salvation's come to this house. Now he really is a child of Abraham. And then Jesus says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's Luke 19, verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son, lost Jew, a son of Abraham, because he's working for the Romans, but he comes back. Every one of us, outside of knowing Jesus, is lost, yes? Yes. You all know that phrase. Who lost us? God lost us. We were lost from God. He made Adam and Eve, male and female, to be his children, to be close to him, to share himself with them, to, to, to let them find out more and more about him, to portray his glory to them. And guess what? They rebelled against him. They rejected his love. They rejected the one instruction that he gave them. They broke it. And so they're expelled from the garden. God lost the creatures he'd made to share his joy with. We were lost from God. It wasn't God's carelessness. It was our determined rebellion. So what is the mission of God? Well, let's go back to those parables. God is like the shepherd who's recklessly, relentlessly chasing down one lost person. God is like the woman who will not give up until that lost coin is brought back back where it should be. 
And he's like the father, who even though the son is wasting all his money and all his time, the minute that that son is walking backwards, the father embraces him, brings him into safety, and restores him to full dignity as a child of that household. A son, an heir. If that isn't gospel message, I don't know what is. I called this sermon because Colin asked me, what do, you, what do we want? title, The Mission of God, but in reflection it's got a, it could have a longer title. The Passion, Compassion and Mission of God. We're talking here about God's re- re- relentless love. <coughs> determined, methodical love. He, salvation in Jesus' plan, guess when? When does the Bible say he planned redemption and salvation for us in Jesus? Anybody know? from before the beginning of the world. Whoa, 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 hang on, we weren't even made. No, we hadn't even fallen. No, but it was determined, God had planned it, knowing we'd fall. Our rescue was determined and planned before the week, before he even made the world. In another scripture, it says that Jesus is the lamb slain from before the beginning of the world. He wasn't literally nailed to a cross, but in God's mind, in God's will, Jesus was prepared to be the sacrifice before we'd even been made, before we'd even fallen. How methodical is that? Like a woman searching for a lost coin. Jesus, God had laid it out before he'd made anything. I'm going to make these people, I know what they're going to do, but I'm going to be on a mission to gain back what I lose. God is on a mission to rescue Everyone from being lost. That's his purpose. That's his passion. Each parable ends with a party. Heaven rejoices when one one lost person is found, when they repent, when they just come to their senses. And even them coming to their senses is God's grace, giving them enough light to see where they are and what they need. The father feasts to celebrate the return of his son. It was right that we should make Mary be glad for our brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Even as I was preparing, literally in about 15 minutes flat, this sermon on uh, the Sunday, last Sunday, I was thinking of a song that, uh, and strangely, it was a song that uh, um, Samson already liked and he kept playing on his phone in the car too. Sorry, I should have been sapping these things here. Never mind. The song says, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love love of God. That song sounds a bit out there. You read Luke 15. No, it ain't. It's bang on. That's exactly how Jesus portrays the Father as the one in himself and also through the Son who is seeking and saving that which was lost. God wants back what he lost. His creatures. His children. The next verse the chorus rather says, there's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down coming after me. 
The mission of God is to glorify himself in the recovery of restoration of what was lost. It was, it's lost from him, and he's getting it back. And heaven rejoices when one human life, one by one, is found and brought back. So I have two questions for you. I thought I'd finish, and I've got two questions for you. First one, have you been found by this rescuing, restoring Lord? The thing is, if you're lost, you may not be aware of it. There's a little voice going in your, on your head saying, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right. No, you're not. But it takes something of the grace of God and the revelation of God to, for you to unlock that and to say, do you know what? Wow, I'm lost. I need God. Are you lost or are you found? If you've been found by the Lord, you won't have a vague idea about it. You will know you have been found. You'll know his love and mercy and generosity, his grace. You'll know and feel that you're his child, that you're born of God and loved by a father. You'll know that you were once dead but are now alive. How many of you are sure that you have been found? Good. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I just wanted to give yourself a bit of a yes. We sing Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace, how sweet. It should be, whoa! Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Sometimes we sing it like we're hissing with the bagpipes. Number two, question number two. If you have been found, You are rescued and restored by this reckless love. Have you joined yourself to his mission? Do you understand how this drives God's heart? What matters most for us as Christians is not Brexit, the election, the British economy, your or my income, or even how many days each of us has left to live. What matters most and what should matter most is that God is glorified in his son as Jesus is bringing many sons back to the Father to be co-heirs with him and to inherit his kingdom and glory. So I want to ask you, what is your mission in life? Do you have a sense of mission, a sense of purpose? Here's the purpose to join yourself to. God is seeking and saving that which he lost. Not because of his fault, but because of ours. And our mission in life is to point people to a God who is utterly willing to thoroughly restore them and receive them and make them heirs of God in Jesus. Incredible, extravagant, reckless, methodical, persistent, determined grace. Amen. 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 Would you like to stand with me? I'm not going to let you sit this morning.